0: I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, sauté some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. and it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com/etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer, plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ETM.
1: One of the first questions I ask is what I call the billion dollar question. If you woke up tomorrow and you had a billion dollars and everything that you ever wanted to spend money on, you could, uh, because I don't think anyone could actually spend a billion dollars. What would your life be? How would it be different? What would you do differently every day? How would you wake up? What would you, Who would you give money to? Who would you support? How would you spend your day?
0: Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Have you thought about it yet? Are right, you open your bank account, there is a billion dollars in there staring back at you. As our guest, Ben Hakama, founder of Illuminate Wealth Management, asked, what would your life look like? How would you spend your time? What would you be doing with that billion dollars? I know, it's a it's a thinker, right? Well, this question is the backbone for our conversation today as Ben and I strive to help you figure out how much money is enough for you and uncover what are the best ways for you to save and spend your money so you can do all those life things you have always wanted to do. Sure, okay, yes, you could read another article that talks about how much money you need to have saved by X age, but let's be real that only causes more stress and fear and anxiety around money. So in this episode, you'll learn a healthier way to figure out how much money is enough to fund the life you really, really, really want to live. All right, let's start talking. You know, I think as humans, uh, particularly those of us living in the U.S., there's this weird thing that happens with us, right? We always want more. There's always Something more that we're striving for. We we set a goal and then we reach it. And I don't know about you, but this is certainly what happens to me. We aren't just quite satisfied, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, okay, I hit this goal, but now I'm already thinking about what's next. What's around the next corner? What can I strive for? And I think you know that can make it really hard to create a financial plan for yourself because it's like the goalpost just consistently keeps moving. And I'm really curious about this idea of figuring out, you know, quote unquote, like what is enough for you? What is enough for you to live off of? What is enough for retirement? And so, I mean, this is kind of the the big, big pie in the sky question. But you know, how in the world do we start to figure out what that number, what that enough number is Mm -hmm. for us individually?
1: It's Great place to start, and I, I think we could talk the whole time just about that. Um, but I, I think your intro to just the way you describe that—that's the way I've been told many times. You know, I know I don't celebrate my own wins um, because I'm always moving to the next thing. What's the next? And I think most people kind of fall into that, whether it's financial, whether it's goal setting, or, or personal things, whatever it is, you look ahead to what else could be. Um, I think the. An issue I've seen with a lot of people when they try to answer that question, what is enough, is they focus on the number and not really the why or or how do you arrive at that. And so um, what I do with my clients is, is really start when we have a, a, a new client meeting, one of the first questions I ask is what I call the billion-dollar question. If you woke up tomorrow and you had a billion dollars and... Everything that you ever wanted to spend money on, you could, uh, because I don't think anyone could actually spend a billion dollars. What would your life be? How would it be different? What would you do differently every day? How would you wake up? What would you? Who would you give money to? Who would you support? How would you spend your day? And when I ask that question, and and even ask it myself, I talk to my wife about that. It changes a lot when you take money off the table as a problem, and now it's not even a factor in, in your decision. Now you can kind of identify what's really important to you and what gives your life meaning and fulfillment. And then when you add the money number back in, now we have new goals to go towards that really matter to help answer the question, what is enough?
0: I love that. The billion dollar question. Do you get people like, do they have a certain reaction when you when you ask them to like think about that question? Cause I mean I think everybody would be like, well, I would love to actually have that be as be a you know reality in my life. Like, I would love to be able to have a billion dollars and be able to do whatever it is I want to do in my life. But do you find that that sort of like opens people up to thinking about things from like a different perspective?
1: I, I think it absolutely at least opens up the conversation to get you thinking outside of the scarcity mindset of I don't have enough or I don't have money and and really think. Uh, about how your relationship with money impacts your decisions. Um, once that's not a factor in you, your relationship with money, I mean, even those that are very worried that they're always going to lose it. You know, maybe um, I've got some clients that, that don't come from a lot of money. They didn't grow up with money. They are always worried about, um, you know, they had food insecurity, things like that. And so now that they have it, they're always worried about losing it. Well, even w- once you get a billion dollars, that's why I choose that number, even if you lost half of it, (laughs) you're still (laughs) fine. Right. And so it helps frame the conversation around what matters when the psychology aspect is kind of taken off the table of how you relate to money. Um, and then we can focus on it because now, now I can hear, so I'll, I'll give you an example. I've got a client. Um, this is not his name. We'll call him Mark, uh, Mark, in that didn't grow up with a lot of money, um, and so now uh, through his job and some stock options and things, he he has the number. He has the number that the financial projections look great. And yet, when we talk, um, there's always that piece of yes, but I need to get more to protect against mm, this happening. Right, okay. Well, now we know how to frame the conversation. It's not actually about the numbers. Because the billion dollar question said he wants to spend time with his kids. He wants to actually have uh, a reverse retirement. Retire early while his kids are young, spend time with them, and then go find something else to do just to make ends meet, even if he you know, he doesn't really need a lot at that point, but just to give him something to do once his kids are gone and grown. Great. Now we can talk about that because that's what's actually important to him. That's how he answers the billion dollar question is I would spend, I would quit my job tomorrow and spend time with my family while they're still around because relationships are the most important thing to me. And now every time he brings up, yes, but I need more, I'm worried about losing it. I can reframe the conversation to that's great, Money's just a tool to reach your goals, though. Uh, and here's what your goals actually are.
0: So you talk about relationship with money. I mean, that's something that is very near and dear to my heart. It's, it's my passion to help people dissect and understand their relationship with money. And so I would love to throw it out to you because I, I have some thoughts on this, too. I thought this might be fun to just chat about for a minute. Why do you think it's important that we figure out what our relationship with money is? Like, what is that, why does that matter?
1: I, I believe it truly is a relationship, and uh, and so just like any any relationship with with a person, um, the history of your relationship matters. It's going to impact how you um, h- how you build on that relationship. Uh, how much you trust the other person is is kind of the history there, and it continues on. If you're going to have a relationship the rest of your life with a person, um, that you know, you're going to learn and change, but it's still going to be kind of based in some sort of foundation. And I had, a, uh, my longest, um, running client actually just passed away. He was 97. And wow. there are things that he would still talk about at 97 that he experienced as a 16 year old that impacted how he thought about spending money at the end of his life, how he thought about giving money to other people. And so I think a lot of people miss the fact that it is a lifelong relationship that you have with money. And if you don't understand that, there's a lot of things you would do that seem irrational or seem... Um, Like something that you you feel shame about, you know, why did I do it this way? Why did I spend money on this or not spend money on it? I said I really wanted that, and and again, it all kind of goes back to there's a foundation with money relationship growing up, uh, you know, your first job, your first time that you spent money, you kind of felt shame about, and all of that translates. And I don't think you ever get over it completely.
0: I agree. Yeah, and I love that you talk about this idea of the billion dollar question thinking about it from this perspective and, and, you know, where we're sort of like taking money off the table to figure out what we really want. And, you know, I always ask people like, okay, you say you want to do this. And so my follow-up question is why, you know, and like, we're, we're, always trying to kind of like dig down, like, what is the, what is the, what is the, the true foundation, like the real goal? Like, what are we really trying to uncover? And I, I'm wondering if you have any suggestions for, for somebody listening Who maybe hasn't gone through this practice of figuring out like what it is that I actually truly want? How do you how do you get to that like that bottom thing of what what it what it really is, what you really want to like strive for in your life, and the goals that you really want to set?
1: That's a great question. The I'm not going to attribute this to the right person, so I'm not even going to try. I know <laughs> I know, I heard this uh, multiple times, and uh, it's probably some famous person, so someone listening probably knows who it is. Um, but I've, I, I use the uh, ask why six times uh, as kind of the formula. So, um, you know, somebody says, I want to spend time with my kids. Great. Why do you want to do that? And then they answer the question and I say, okay, so why is that important to you? Okay, why is that? and you ask it six times and and by the fifth or sixth time you've really gotten that answer. And so, um, kind of, that's my roundabout way to say, I don't actually think you can do this on your own. Um, I'm a big believer in having, whether it's a therapist or, uh, you know, a, a partner or just a friend that you, that knows you well that you can be vulnerable with, um, to help you through that process. Uh, I think it's very difficult to get outside of yourself by yourself. Um, and so there's, you know, it's the same reason that I personally have a financial planner uh, because there are blind spots in everybody on your relationship with money, on your relationship with other people. It's good to have kind of a third party to kind of point things out to you. So whether it's it's a professional or a friend, uh, helping work through that and just give them the permission to ask you why six six times as you go through, I think really helps. <laughs>
0: Without, without getting totally annoyed with them. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So, okay. Let's say then we've done this, we've done this practice. We've asked our why six times and we kind of get to the root, to the, to the goals, the vision that we want. How do we then practically ourselves, like, look at like, okay, here's the amount of money I have. Like, how do I get this money to, to come around and kind of work with, this vision and these goals like h- how can somebody do this who maybe isn't working with a financial planner figure this out
1: yeah that you know it's always um, how do you execute on this right <laughs> it's, right, it's exactly. a great it's a great theory but uh, <laughs> let's actually do something with it so there's a couple different ways that you can approach it um, you know one is I, I think you actually have to start with a really good understanding of what you have now. And so uh, whether it's, you know, I'm working with a new client, you're doing it yourself. Let's make sure that you know, here's all all the assets. Here's all the things that are positive that I have. Here's the savings accounts. And what does that actually mean? Um, you know, understand different types of of taxation. You know, taxes are always going to be taken out. So let's make sure you understand. What oh, you-
0: come on, Ben. That's fun. I know. No fun. I'm sorry.
1: I know. <laughs> I didn't say this could be fun, but this is going to be impactful. It's better than fun. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> then you're able to um, see what you have and then also what you owe. And for a lot of people, when you go through that why question um, and what's important to you, realizing you don't have any debt uh, when you have the billion dollars that's that's really helpful, and so I think uh, that can take some weight off of someone 's shoulders um, I'll give you an example, so my wife and I uh, are the opposite in our relationship with money um it isn't really from a foundation we grew up in in similar you know type of households but um, she is extremely conservative. And uh, we actually do a risk tolerance for clients. And she scores lower than any client that I have uh, <laughs> on how much risk she's willing to take. I started my own business, uh, left a, a job that I could have just stayed at probably long term, um, provided for my family, been fine. And I, instead, I took the risk happened to be right before COVID, uh, January 2020, and uh, launched my business. And it didn't feel risky at all to me. Um, And that's because I have a high risk tolerance. And so when we talk about money in our family, debt as an example, since I brought that up, is a very different thing. In my mind, debt is a tool you can use to help you in, in a smart way achieve goals. If you're very risk averse, like my wife is, any dollar of debt, mortgage included, just feels really bad. It feels like something you don't want to have. And so part of that billion-dollar question, if I were to ask that to her, if she was a client, um, I think that would immediately reveal this weight off the shoulders of, oh, great. I would not owe anybody anything. I wouldn't owe any money for anybody else. And so the debt portion, to kind of get back to the execution, you've got the assets, but also want to see how much do you owe? How much debt or liabilities do you have? And how do you feel about those? Um, Again, we're talking about psychology how do you feel about having the debt? How does it look? Where are you now? Uh, And so to to answer your question, and we can kind (laughs) of loop back around because I've said a lot, is just you have to start with what do you have before you know where you're going.
0: And I don't want to underestimate that question of how do you feel? Because I ask that I've asked that for years of people when I was a practicing CFP. And I ask people now when they, uh, you know, I say that I I help people with their relationship with money and they, uh, you know, they say back to me, well, what does that mean? And I always say, well, let me start with this one question. It seems very simple, but it's very complex. How do you feel about money? And, you know, I, no matter who it is, I watch somebody like squirm a little bit because they really haven't thought about money from that perspective. But I think like what you're saying particularly is important when you're looking at relationship with money and, and more so why you do or don't do the things that you do. Right. That's ultimately how we, how we act out our relationship with money. It really is important to understand this. Like my, my husband is, is more of an anxious person around money. And that's because he had a very different upbringing than I had. And, um, You know, things make him a little bit more nervous. I'm more like yourself. I've run a business since I was in college, (laughs) and so you know, I'm 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 okay with the risks, um, and um, probably are a little bit a little bit too much okay with the risks. But I think you know, particularly when we're talking about a couple, like that's really important to understand those dynamics because the way you're going to look and the way you're going to feel and the way you're going to act around the money is really important, especially when you're. Trying to figure out what this enough number is,
1: right? We so we use a framework, um, and it's a spectrum. It's not always, but I think people fall into one of three categories in their how they think about money. Um, one one is kind of like you know you and me. It's it's the uh, it's an opportunity. Money is an opportunity to achieve our goals or to to pursue a better life that's more fulfilling, whatever that is. Um, so, opportunity is kind of one. One way, another that a lot of people have is money gives me security, or having money makes me feel secure. So maybe that's your husband, maybe it's it's my wife. I want money. I want that billion dollars so I don't ever get anxious anymore. Um, and so that's what I'm pursuing. And then the third is a vulnerability, and that's just the idea that uh, for some people, the way they've grown up in their relationship with money is if I have money. Now I actually am more vulnerable to people taking advantage of me. They're going to try to steal it from me. They're going Mm, to try to take from me. And knowing where you fall on those, and again, it's fluid, depends on the situation. um, But I think people tend to fall in one of those three categories. uh, That really helps kind of at least start that conversation of what do you think about money or how do you feel about money? Uh, And that then leads into everything else we've talked about.
0: I was reading an article this morning and it talked about this idea that goals are more like guesses. Like we don't really know where we're going to be in 15, 17, 20 years, whatever, the, whatever that time frame is. It's just, it's more of a guess. And, you know, that, that these goals and, and guesses, if you will, they should remain a little bit fluid because we, again, we don't know. We don't know what life is going to serve up to us. But again if we're coming back to this idea of what is enough and and framing that around a number how then do we look at something like you know planning for a big goal you know whether it's it's buying a house or starting a business or you know retirement or whatever that might be that that feels pretty big to us how do we begin to like move towards that knowing that you know, all the variables might change at some point in time. Like we don't know what the stock market's going to do. We don't know what our health's going to be. Like we don't know any of these things.
1: Right. It's very important to understand the assumptions that, that go into any goal setting or any planning or any of these numbers. Um, but you still need to have some sort of goal or some sort of number in mind. So, um, it's a lot easier to focus on goals specifically you know I want to uh, I want to retire or I want to pay for my kids college or I want to start a business each of those independently you can kind of back in and so for a lot of people uh, doing kind of what I call the compartmentalization of their money um, of have okay I've got this bucket for this goal in mind and so okay I want to start a business let's you know, be very conservative on how much I'm going to make. Let's assume it's going to take twice as long for me to build, especially if you're an opportunity person. Um, let's let's double how long I think it's going to take because you <laughs> tend to be more optimistic. You think it's going to happen. I don't know faster. what you're
0: talking about. I know, right?
1: <laughs> uh, and so um, that's where again, knowing where you are, it's better. So, okay, your opportunity. That means you're going to build a business. That's awesome. Uh, let's double the the cash you think that you need. So how are you going to make, you know, actually get down to what can we cut expenses personally? If we're going to start this business, here's the money, the capital I need up front. Uh, great. I've got that number. Now, how long can I go without a paycheck or how long can I go with very little pulling out of the business? Uh, let's again, double that. Let's have this money set aside um, and build towards that. Okay. That's going to be in one bucket. In another bucket, you've got retirement. Maybe you're not going to pursue both at the same time. The opportunity person is going to say, well, my business is going to pay for the retirement. If they're married to a security person, they're going to say, that's great, but your business might fail. So we also need to have money set aside for retirement. So now you have, okay, um, this is what it's going to cost me to spend to live today. We've got to take inflation into account. Um, all these things can be done on a spreadsheet, a, a software. You know, There's a lot of tools online to kind of come up with it. Where it gets very challenging for people is if you don't compartmentalize the different goals, then it becomes significantly overwhelming to decide where to put money or how much I need to save in total or how much is enough in total for all of these. Uh, but we don't want to forget the why behind it. And so that business side, I want to go start a business. Ask the six questions of why. Why do I want to do that? What is it in me that's motivating me to do it? It doesn't mean it's bad or good. Just understand why and make sure that as you're pursuing that for the business, both saving for it and then starting it, that it is not something that you're going to quit. So for some people, they want to start a business because they're just unhappy with their job. And so they're running from something, not to something, and they don't know what else to do. And if you don't have that why question on what is enough, it doesn't matter how much you save, that business is going to fail if you don't answer the question of why I'm doing this and understand that I want to do this, not that I'm running away from something. You will not be fulfilled no matter how successful that business is. It won't be enough, even though on paper, the dollar amount Mm, may work out.
0: That's QUINCE.com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today. And I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses and I manage all of our household to dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized, because that's not one of my strengths, without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information The only way you get 20% off is to go to com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. That's so interesting. Like it's interesting to really dive into that and think about it. <laughs> it brings like a whole new perspective to, to goals and I love I love the idea of, of buckets. like for me, my brain, the way I think, like, putting things in buckets and categories and I mean I even have you know separate savings accounts for different goals and like for me, just my brain is always thinking and kind of one of those brains that is just like always on overdrive. So setting up like a system like that just makes it a lot easier for me. But I could see how you know that really benefits anybody because then you can also right like track the progress towards each of those goals.
1: Exactly. I I mean my paycheck I get uh, direct deposit to five different places, six if you include the four hundred one k. So I have that intentionally. So I'm not having to go in and manually do something. It is happening automatically, I think that's a, I'm a big believer in automating things, uh, because it it gets you out of the psychology side. Um, you know, I got this great opportunity over here. Let's forget this goal I had that's (laughs) 10 years from now. Let's go do this one. Uh, no, let's automate it. I've got my opportunity, you know, funds that I'm going to use that I've saved towards. That's all I can use. Uh, and so, you know, protect you from yourself or, you know, again, flip side, if you're a security person, Make sure you're investing for the long run uh, because goals that are decades in the future, compound uh, growth really, really matters and you won't see the progress. But um, I automate my paycheck and I think um, almost everybody can benefit from having... Money going to different buckets that you know exactly what it is. It also helps with just communication. Uh, again, I um, mentioned my wife a couple times. Communication with her on this is what this accounts for. This is why we're doing it this way. Now you know we are building towards this. We're building f- towards this college fund for our kids or or something like that.
0: I want to talk a little bit about retirement because we are we are living in a retirement savings crisis. There was an article that I read. From the National Institute on Retirement Security. And I want to just chat about this for a second. It said that the average working household has virtually no retirement savings. When all the households are included, not just households with retirement accounts, the medium retirement account balance is $3,000 for all working age households and 12,000 near retirement. So the findings confirm that the quote unquote American dream of retiring comfortably after a lifetime of work is Pretty much impossible for many people. So, you know, Ben, they're like, there's so many things. You mentioned inflation, like, there's so many things that just tug on our wallets in everyday life, let alone if we have kids and all those expenses. There's just a lot. And it almost doesn't matter how much money we make. You know, there's there's just a lot of money that is kind of flowing out of us. So, you know, without a real like rah-rah talk, how do we make savings a priority? Like, how do we make this all work so that we can we can beat some of these numbers here?
1: Uh, you're really coming at me with the big questions now. <laughs> these are um, I'm rolling up a sleeve. Yes, the there is absolutely a savings and retirement crisis, and there is a lot of things that I think you know big picture need to happen. Um, but if we can say, okay, you, you have enough money to make ends meet, let's just, um, assume that. Cause honestly, there's not a lot I can do, uh, or a lot that you can do if there, is, you're cut your expenses down to the bare bones and still are negative every month. Um, there's no savings to be had if you've done that for everybody else. We're making decisions uh, every day whether intentionally or, or or not um subconsciously about spending today or spending in the future I, I like to reframe savings as future spending because mm, for some okay. people they don't like the idea of savings because it feels like they're denying themselves something today yeah.
0: back in the psychology right exactly yeah
1: but if you think of it as spending now or spending later you're still spending that money um and so n- If we can think about, okay, how can we balance what you have today and what you will have later, if you choose not to save, intentionally or unintentionally, choose not to save, you are choosing to not have money to spend later. And once you think of it from a spending perspective instead of a forced saving perspective, I think that it actually, it all comes down to expenses, not income. Income is great, but spending and expenses in the short term are the most important. And so I kind of walk people through this concept. If you save 10% of your money, 10% of your income, it will take you nine years of saving to save one year worth of spending. Uh, because you're saving 10%. You're spending 90%. It takes nine years of that to to save a whole year's worth of spending.
0: Mm, if you yeah. switch
1: that to 20%, well, that's a big number. I admit that. But let's just say 20%. You've cut that down in two ways. You've cut down the amount of time. Um, it will only take you four years to save enough. Because you're saving twenty percent a year, but you're only spending eighty. So every dollar that you're saving from your income is actually doing double work for you. It's saving the money. It's also keeping you from spending it. And so you don't. You have this exponential growth that eventually happens once you get really above the twenty percent level. That you are spending a whole lot less, which means you need to save even less. Uh, but because you're saving more, it's had this big impact. Going from 20% savings to 25% is only a 5% move. It cuts a whole year off of the savings that you need to to make um, because it only takes three years to save, if you save 25% of your income, to save one year's worth of expenses. And so once we kind of work through that, um, it becomes a game for a lot of people to say, this is fun to save because now I'm framing it in look how much money I have how many years I can go without ever making another dollar and I know I have what I need I know what I have to cover my expenses and so now you're cutting expenses because you're you're playing this game and you're winning rather than um you know I'm denying yourself Well, I'm saving money because I'm you know I I feel like I need to but I really want to go buy this over here um it, it changes again it's all about psychology
0: yeah the gamification is huge I'm a big like competitive person mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's fun to twist it a little bit and be competitive with yourself and you know use some of these tricks some of these psychology tricks on yourself to to, to motivate yourself. And I think, you know, when we're talking about I, I love how you laid out um this idea of of thinking about saving for the future because I think it makes it really easy to think about, oh, well, if I've saved, you know, X percent more, like it's just getting me closer and closer. But you know, the reality, right, is is nobody's coming to save us. <laughs> we have to we have to save ourselves. If we don't at least in the US, we don't live in a country where there, there is some great, you know, retirement benefit when we retire. You know, right. uh, companies anymore don't don't have this. It is all on our shoulders. And you know, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts about this. This is kind of an out there question, but how do we how, like, how do we change this? Like, how do we how do we get people more motivated to to save themselves when it comes to retirement?
1: I, I think there. Uh, it starts with a realization of of just everything that you said where we actually are uh in this country, and uh there's no more company pensions people are you know are concerned about social security running out and and you know we know medical costs are going up um costs of everything are going up, and so it is what it is is kind of the first thing to start with, which is recognize. <laughs> what the reality is. And so it's not that you can work the same job for 40 years and get a pension and live off the pension the rest of your life. It doesn't exist anymore. And so you have to take responsibility to do that yourself. So there are ways, there actually are ways to recreate a pension. Um, I'm Not a proponent of annuities in general. I'm a fee only planner. I don't make any money on commissions. Um, That means when I look at an annuity product, the first thing I ask is how much commission is somebody else going to get and why do they deserve that? Uh, And so we could talk through all that. But um, you can actually recreate, whether it's with a deferred annuity or just a savings account that's invested, an actual income stream to actually. Create your own pension. You can take responsibility to do it, but it starts with understanding. No one else is going to save you, and so let's let's do it. Okay, what worked for you know parents or grandparents when they retired? Um, They had a pension. They knew they had income coming in. How we can we create that with an annuity or a bond portfolio or whatever that is? Um, Great. What else do you want to do? You want to have money to spend on travel? Okay, that's got to be in the plan, and we have to invest that in the long run. And you can't. You know, you should travel some now, but maybe have a retirement travel fund that you know I'm investing this money specifically for my fund money when I'm retired. My other retirement account is my, um, you know, I just you know put Living, food on the yeah. table, <laughs> things like that. So there are ways to kind of recreate the same security people have felt, um, but I, as you said, it, no one's coming to save you, and and it starts with that realization.
0: I honestly would use Ernan in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas. It will really help the show. Talking money under podcast. Earnin' is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? Or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I was reading your bio, and um, I wanted to talk about your philosophy thing because I think it really plays into what we're talking about here. You say that you're determined to help people overcome the shame marketing that is rampant in today's financial industry and turn their stress surrounding money into calming clarity that comes on the path to achieving their greatest potential. Man, there are so many good words in there to, to, to pull out, but... What what is it with money and shame? You know, why do we use shame to make people feel terrible about, about where they're at with their money or what their money goals are or how they're spending their money?
1: There are two ways. Um <laughs> there are two ways to get people to be motivated to make a change. Um and the one that is the what I think is the easiest path, but ethically morally wrong is from, uh, you know, shame, shame marketing, uh, focusing on here's all the things you're doing wrong. Don't you feel really bad about yourself? Therefore, you should hire me and I will save you from yourself. And you no longer have to feel that way. Focus on all the negatives. That is the easiest path. And so I think that a lot of, of whether it's financial blogs or, you know, financial advisors, um, who are trying to sell something that's their focus because it's all about how do I selfishly make more money, uh, rather than actually helping people. Um, but that's yeah. the world we live in. Right. And so that's where a lot of focus is because it does motivate people to make a change. Um, what I would prefer to do is if we all said, we want to reach, we, we have untapped potential. Individually, I think every person does. And one big barrier or hindrance to reaching that is the re- is the relationship with money, is the shame that you just t- taught yourself or you've been told over time, or um, you know you, maybe you're the scarcity person or the security person, and you're and you're worried about pursuing something. If we can open that up, um, there's a whole lot more that everyone can do and if we don't focus so much on the money and focus on relationships with other people what do i bring to the world what can i do that provides fulfillment um that can make everyone uh better and and honestly make the world a better place i know that sounds cliche but uh, i truly believe that money is more of a hang up for people um and that is probably Absolutely. the biggest thing that if we can get past that uh, everything things can be a whole lot better.
0: Yeah, and I I also want to talk about this this calming clarity because I think, you know, we look at money being the number one cause of stress in people's lives and we have just talked, you know, for the last half an hour about how do we unstress that that piece of our lives? How do we not make money be, you know, the big giant monster in the room and how do we bring it down to a place where like, okay, we can set up these these systems, we can easily have money, you know, automatically going places like there is a way we can dissect this and create this and we can work on our relationship with money. Uh, Tell me about like calming clarity. Like, how do we find that? How do we bring that into our lives? Is it just doing these, uh, this process and these practices that we've been talking about?
1: Uh, I I think uh, again, kind of goes back to the shame as kind of the first step, right? It's um, understanding your relationship with money, and, and where do you feel this shame? Because that's that's adding anxiety. That's not obviously the opposite of of calming clarity, and um, <laughs> and I think there's just so much where you you feel or or you see in your bank account, whatever you you think you understand money, you think you know what that means but no one's ever taught you there's no great system out there there's no education you learn from your parents the positives and the negatives as they did even if they didn't tell you anything they they taught you a little bit just by uh, you know seeing how they they approach money and and so we all think we're experts because you see it all the time
0: right <laughs> but
1: very few people actually are and you know i spend all of my time working with people, helping them with the relationship with money, and and similar to what you're doing, you know, on here of just um, talking through all of the different facets of money, and it's a lot more complex than I think we, most people, the average person, gives money credit for, I guess. And so that calming clarity is starts with being able to say, I don't know everything, and that's okay. I don't have to know everything. I need to. St- you know seek out the right people um or learn myself you know find the right uh podcasts and blogs and and places to get good information that again is framed on how can i make this better not here's what you're doing wrong um and then that leads to this clarity of understanding of it's okay that i make mistakes because everyone does it's okay that I may have regrets on what could have happened, or or what I should have done differently, or I should have invested in a Roth IRA at eighteen, and I waited till I was, you know, thirty eight. Whatever it is, um, that's great that you feel that way. We can't change the past. Let's look to the future on what can we do that reduces anxiety today. What can you do uh, for all of these things of compartmentalization and and automation and and different pieces to reduce the stress that money provides. But it all has to start with being open and vulnerable about you don't know everything about money, and that's okay.
0: And I think another piece of, of shame, I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, there's a lot of talk, especially if we look at like TikTok or social media or something like that about the the fire movement that started, you know, a few years ago. This idea of basically you're like restricting yourself for for a time to save as much as you can. So you no longer have to work and you can retire early and i think that you know i've heard from a lot of people a lot of friends kind of in my in my circle that gosh those types of movements like make them feel maybe even more shame because that's not the reality for them and then they start to wonder like should i be doing that as well should i be doing one of these like restrictive budget diets and and how do i know what it, what is right or wrong like what do you think of these kind of movements that that come along
1: uh, so you, you can't see me, but I, I just got like angry th- hearing the question <laughs> because I feel very strongly, uh, and this is a great example of shame and shame marketing um, and TikTok's a good example, but everything about um, whether it's fire movement or, or anything else, so much of it is marketed as this is the one and only way. And if you aren't good enough to do it this way, there's something wrong with you, and you should feel ashamed. And um, if you are struggling with money, just do it my way, and it will work. Uh, and that's that's the way things are marketed, and the way that they're framed, and it gets a lot of views on YouTube and TikTok and things. But it is not reality, and it it is not net positive in the world. Um, for some small subset of people. Things that, as uh, you said, extreme budget diets like um, what I would call kind of the the original lean fire movement, which was cut expenses to the bare bones, have nothing left. Um, you better be, dr- you know, riding your bike everywhere. You never go anywhere. You can't ride your bike to. Um, you sell your house and and live in a tiny house, whatever that is, because that's what's required to make the numbers look so great. And if you are worried about money and you're not doing these things, it's all on you, Uh, that only works for a very small group of people. And for those people that it works for, that's awesome. And that brings them fulfillment. If that answers those questions on on what is enough, that's great. Um, But most people don't want to live that way. And yet they get all this advice to cut down to the bare bones. And then they say, I, I was worried about money. Now I'm really worried about money because I cut my expenses and I'm still worried. And so now I must be doing something wrong. And now I feel shame. And, and you said this was going to be okay. And it just leads to this spiral of things getting worse and worse and and the opposite of the calming clarity uh, that we had. And so fire movement in theory is great, but it, It only works for a group of people. Um, The general ideas, the high-level ideas of, you know, save, you know, the more you save, the better, you know, you're cutting expenses, you're able to retire early, let's focus on the, you know, now and not just push everything off to the future. Those are all great concepts. Uh, The execution just leads to a lot more shame in the world.
0: So I think Ben like we're all we're all listening and we're trying to figure out these three things with money. I think if I can kind of boil it down it's that you know we want to stress less obviously when it comes to money. We want to figure out how do we make it easy? How do we bring that, you know, clarity in? And three we want to figure out like how do we bring our money goals into reality? So as we wrap up kind of like pulling everything together that we that we talked about any pointers for for someone listening, or any you know motivational talk for how we can bring all of those things together? How we can stress less, make it easy, and and also be able to actually achieve our money goals?
1: Yes, I think you start with recognizing we all make mistakes with money, even the the experts. Um, Working through that shame piece, that's number one. That brings some, hopefully, some clarity um, and opens the door to better possibilities. Um, find one, you know, let's start small. Find one goal that is achievable, uh, that you can work towards, that you can kind of help calculate. So maybe that's, you know, you need you, you want a new car or, or a, a different car in the future. And so great, I need to save this. And and it's a smaller goal than, you know, retirement. And so it's more achievable and, and shorter term and build on those wins. Um, I think there's a lot of, of great psychology of just having the small successes and let them build on there. Um, uh, but always keeping in mind, if you have that goal, why is that a goal? And, um, that, you know, this is all the same things we talked about, but, um, by doing it kind of those ways, you can help reinforce good habits and build on the success that you have. And, and like everything else compounding's so valuable. And so compounding on your wins, compounding on, you know, not feeling the shame and, and have seeing how calm, um, as you work towards things positively that, you know, fit with what you actually care about, I, I think can be really powerful. Um, and you know, let's give it let's cut ourselves some slack though.
0: There's some conversations you can just come back to over and over again and find something new in them each time. And this I really think is one of those. Of course, I love the billion dollar question, <laughs> but I also really enjoyed it when Ben shared that we all tend to fit in these three categories when we think about money. One is we see it as opportunity. Two, we see it as security, right? And the money's going to make us safe. And three, we see it as vulnerable. If we have money, people are going to take advantage of us. So knowing where you're at with money helps figure out how you feel about money and then the steps you need to take to set and achieve your goals. It's really, it's just brilliant. I would listen to that piece of this track over and over and over again. So if you want to learn more about Ben, you can head to his website at illuminatewm.com. That link will be in the show notes where there's lots of good stuff. You can also check out his new free ebook for parents about how to talk to your kids about money at dollarsandkids.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I want you to head on over to whatever app you're listening to this podcast in right now. Give us some stars, some likes, rating and review. We've got this big goal of hitting a thousand reviews and we're still a couple hundred short, so I could really use your help. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with somebody right now that's what helps this podcast keep growing. Thank you so much, my friend. I will see you back here in a few days.